Welcome to Page One Bible Study. I'm your host, Heavy Handed Jay. I'd like to thank you for joining. Here at Page One, our mission is to provide a free space for those that consider themselves beginners in the Word of God. Being a beginner in the Word of God doesn't mean that you're a beginner in love, in Christ, or the Spirit of God. For me, it simply meant that I had not studied the Bible for myself and now wanted that personal understanding. If you're anything like me, you've heard of Luke, David, Paul, John, the list goes on and on. But do you know the roles they played and how they came to be? Here at Page One, we're going to answer those simple questions, have a bunch of fun while doing it, and most of all, you're going to learn today. You're going to learn today. In Jesus' name. Okay, I'm reloaded. Yes, 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 sir. Yes, sir. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am your host, Heavy Handed Jay, and it's a pleasure to be in the building. Hello, greetings, hi, howdy, welcome, bonjour, buenos noches, buenos dias, good day. Hiya, how are you? How goes it? Howdy, shalom. What's going on? What's popping? What's up? In my favor, what it do? <laughs> yes, man. Um, page one Bible study. I'm your host, heavy handed Jay, as usual. But not what's not usual here is this is what I'm going to call a drive-by edition. Drive-by! Yes, a drive-by edition of the Page One Bible Study where, you know, I'm just checking in to holla at you. Let me holla at your scrap, you know, as one of the uh, great American philosophers, Beanie Siegel, once said. <clears throat> Let me holla at your scrap. Nonetheless, I'm here to just, um, on a drive-by edition of the Page One Bible Study. Drive-by! Before we get into all that, of course... I got to introduce the squad, the Motley crew. Yes, it's myself, heavy-handed Jay, page one. You know, here at page one, that's when we pull back the curtains. But it's for beginners. It's for guys who just want to learn. You know, if you haven't read the Bible, you know, you, you've been in church. You could have been in church your whole life. But you just never read the Bible for yourself. That's what we do here at page one. We are the people that, you know, let me start from the beginning and, and get an understanding just for me. You know, I, I, I've been in church my whole life, but just never done it for myself. So at page one, we pull back that curtain. We comb the lines and we get to the bottom of it, man. And we get our understanding. And um, sometimes we we uncover some truths that that don't that don't get talked about a lot. That's what we do at page one. Uh, we also have 1982. With the captain of uh, uh, the ship over here at, uh, at uh, the Wildest Flock. And this is the Wildest Flock Network. The Wildest Flock Podcast Network is a Christian-based network. Where, you know, at least how I like to tell the audience. Where we bring everyday life to Christianity. And, and we, pull back the, we pull back the blanket. We pull the curtain back. And, and we just let you guys see everyday life, man. It's really not too different from the life everyone else lives. And that's kind of our objective it's part of it um but we got 1982 with my man eugene where he breaks it all down and does it how he does it 
we have Sticturity. Awesome name, Brittany, Nisha, and they give a woman's perspective. We have Things Your Pastor Won't Tell You with Israel Benjamin. It's Charlie Benjamin going in. You're going to hear things you never heard before, i.e. the reason the show is called Things Your Pastor Won't Tell You. We got Married Couples Anonymous. That's with Eugene and Nisha. You know, the dynamic doing are pairing up and, and giving you this thing from a raw and uncut perspective from a marriage, everyday life and marriage, man. No makeup. How about that? Cutting edge, provocative. Huh. And, and that's definitely some things that your pastor won't tell you when you listen to that pod and you get this this regular life, man. So here at the Wildest Flock Podcast Network, man, we, we like to bring it to you. Um, we like to bring it home. But here on the uh, page one Bible stu- page one Bible study, it's a drive-by edition. Drive-by! And what I'm going to be talking about here today is something that's said all the time. You know, one, one of the kind of things that grind my gears are things that are simply said, but hard to do. You know? And um, one, one thing when we're talking about the Word of God, one phrase that gets thrown around, and I'm sure that you all know, that God is love. You know, that's said all the time. God is love. But have you ever thought to think why that's said or... You know, is it actually scripturally based? And to come find out, it is. One thing I I come across with non-believers is something that I find very common to human. It's like, you know, how do I believe in something that I can't touch, that I can't feel, that I can't see? And this is where your faith comes in, of course. But one thing that I think I've learned and that I want to share with you all is when we say God is love, that actually has meaning. And a real, a real, a real innuendo, a real peer into God's character. When we say God is love. And today here on this drive-by edition of Page One Bible, we're going to take a deep dive into the phrase, God is love, right? God is love. We hear that all the time, and it's it's welcoming. Um, you know, who has a problem with it? But I think that there's some actuality, that there's some bring it home to the phrase, God is love. Now, where the, where the saying derives is 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. That's where the saying comes from. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. Anyone who does not Love does not know God because God is love. So we're going to take a bit of a deep dive here today on exactly what God is love means. And our objective, as it always is here 
is here on the page one Bible study is to bring it home. It's to make it relevant to our lives. And I personally think that was always God's intention of all of these things that these scribes we have to go by is to be able to make it applicable to our lives. So today, what does God is love mean? Let's get into it. Let's look at how the Bible describes love, and then we will see a few ways in which God is the essence of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. So, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, we learn that God is love. And what I'm trying to bring home is, is that I believe it's literal. And it's an innuendo, a him giving us a sense for who he is and um an at home sense of who God is and how it feels to be in his presence and what what it what it feels to be around God, what it feels to be with God. Um so in John we learn that God is love. What we just heard here in Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter 13, verses four through eight. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous. It does not brag. And it is not proud. Love is not rude. It is not selfish. And it cannot be made angry easily. Love does not remember wrongs done against it. Love is never happy when others do wrong. But it is always happy with the truth. Love never gives up on people. It never stops trusting. It never loses hope. And it never quits. So <clears throat> one thing that is extremely important to, um, let me go to Corinthians here. So I'm in the uh, Bible gateway. One thing that's extremely important to note here is translations and depending on where you're reading at, what, uh, what Bible you're reading from. So if I was to read that, that was just read from the English version, the, the, the easy to read standard. If I was to read that exact same version out of the KJV, one of my favorites, it reads as such. And let me make sure I'm getting this right where I am. First Corinthians chapter 13, verses 3 through 7. Make sure I'm there. 13, 3 through 7. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not charity, I profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity eveneth not. Charity voweth not itself, it not puffed up. <laughs> doth not believe itself unseemingly, seeketh not only her own, 
is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in, in, in equity, but rejoices in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether they be knowledge, they shall vanish away. So look, man, that's just the difference in a um, in a in a different reading version. Okay, that's the same thing I just read, just in a different reading version, and uh, just to cover it one more time so that we get what we're getting to is if God is love, we need to understand the Bible's definition of love. And again, in the uh, the English easy reading version, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, love is patient and kind, love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its way, it is not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice at wrongful doings, but rejoices with truth, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things endures all things love never ends so it's important to be noting there that again those are a lot of the principles that god reinforces with us where, where he lets us know how everlasting and how undying his love is for us but what we're drilling home here is the character of God, is the feel of God and, and, and love. So love is a, a feeling that we have here on earth, right? Now, I don't mean to get all psychological on you all, but I believe love is the most powerful thing on earth. I believe that everything everyone does on earth has a fundamental basis of love behind it. Every relationship we have, and one of the, the synonyms, synonyms um, and not in any of the translations that I just read, is fearless love. Many of us have relationships. I mean, you can have a real, it's normal, I would say. The, the people you love most, your husband, your wife, your mother, your father, those loves come with caution. They don't come with fearless love. You understand? You know, it says God's love is fearless. Love is fearless. Love without caution, safe to say. How many people do you love fearlessly? Um, I'd go out on a limb and say, if we're all being honest, you know, for those of us who have birthed children into the world, and in that first moment when you hold your child inside the uh, the doctors and you know when after labor after labor's over and you hold your child that's that's one of the rare moments of a fearless pure love you know even those of us who are married there there's water under the bridge this person that may have done something to hurt your feelings that you quite haven't let go of yet your mother your father you love these people but this love isn't fearless. In those brief moments, man, and what I want to bring home in here is 
those moments in life. And I think we all strive for perfect love, right? <laughs> and in and, and, and Corinthians, and let me let me just since we're um and since we're talking Corinthians, let me just give a little uh, backdrop or context to First um, Corinthians. So you have Paul going back to the city of Corinth, to where he had been before establishing ministry and gospel there, setting up churches. So you can look at the book of Corinthians, um, especially chapter uh, 14. Um, you can look at that as far as the uh, verses go. Well, First Corinthians itself, chapters 1 through 4, you have Paul um, addressing the division in the church. And this is Paul talking to the people of Corinth. And this is Paul addressing the, the division in the church. At this time, after Paul had left, um, other guys had came through. And, um, you know, establishing ministry, you had Apollos and um, other dude had, had come through. And everybody had gotten divided and seemed to um, pick, a, pick a leader they wanted to follow. And here comes Paul back letting them know that, you know, we are all one body of Christ. Um, it doesn't matter who your leader is. We all fall under this umbrella of Jesus, of this of this same body of Christ. So chapters one through four, you have Paul addressing division in the church. Chapter five through seven, you have uh, Paul going heavy and, and letting people know there's there's a big deal about sexual integrity. You know, some of the uh, Christians in Corinth had seen it, to, you know, had started to say it was nothing for dudes to sleep around with prostitutes and and things like that. And um, Paul came back in, in chapters five through seven and really put emphasis on sexual integrity. And then in chapters eight through ten, um, something that I'm not so clear on, but the uh, sacrifice and food and whether Christians should 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 partake in eating of meats if it was during a sacrificial time. And so uh, Paul spoke to that. And then and, and what we're touching on today and where we get our text from, chapters 11 through 14, where Paul talks about the gatherings of church and how church should be orderly. Um, from what I read and researched, um, when there were these gatherings, a lot of time people would just you would have guys over here speaking a, another tongue, another language, and that would be a distraction. Then you would have a guy uh, speaking in this area, and then another dude would just, just speak up and start giving his prophecy and prophesying. And so, you know, that was all coming to be a big problem. And um, in chapters 11 through 14, in Corinthians, Paul is giving some order and structure to the church and where servants should be and where leaders should be and where speakers should be. And all, all these things have an order. And he uh, actually gave a really cool concept on how we're all part of the body. You know, he, he brought it to, um, to terms with, he brought an analogy where he said, you know, if you on your body, you know, your, your eyes, you really care about your eyes. But if your baby finger, if your pinky finger wasn't there, it wouldn't be like it was all good. You know, your body needs that pinky, you know, your, your pinky toe. It needs that. And, and he also spoke to how God said, you know, not everyone is going to live good because all bodies of Christ need a certain perspective to bring to the body. 
So being that someone may be the eyes and someone is the is the butt, someone's the ass. You know, someone's, you know, a, a part of the body that may be looked at as lesser, but you are still essential to the body because the body has to have them all until in order to function at an optimal functionality. So um, that is some clarity on what exactly, you know, what, what Paul was doing there in Corinth. And, uh, and also in chapter 15, he gave the importance of resurrection. Some of, of the Christians locally were saying, uh, you know, that's absurd, couldn't have happened. So Paul was reinforcing the thought that if we don't believe in resurrection, we basically, the whole thing is, uh, we might as well not even be Christian. So, but what we're drilling home here is love, love, love. And again, man, those those small times, those few times where, you know, where you have fearless love. And I, I know it's few and far between. And if, you, if, if you people have it with your spouses and if you have it with your children and, you know, that that's amazing, but I think it's all a, a place we strive to be. And um, a lot of problems people have today, a lot of issues people have today, I believe can be cured by love because God is love and love is the most beautiful, most powerful thing on earth. Just some love. You know that we have all these racial divides. Um, we have so many things, go, but what if you could just, whatever's happening, those people could just love each other. It'd be over. It'd be over, man. So, you know, we're all suckers for love. And I would have had the Tupac sound, you know, and playing that right now, but they wouldn't let me upload it, whatever, whatever. But, uh, man, it's no wonder that we're suckers for love. It's no wonder that people who don't have love are out trying to find it in clubs and bars every night. You know, it's one of those things that's simply said, but really is the essence to what we strive for. I mean, you can have all the money in the world. I think we know it, man. But if you don't have love, you don't have anything. And those, those, those rare times that you can hearken back to in your mind, and say, wow, that there was a lot of love there. You know, there's a few times in my life where I can just harken back to a time where me and some friends, me and family or whoever it may be, were just lost in love. And man, they are some of the most outer body times. And I think the, the moral of today, the point of today's story, the drive-by, drive is that love. God is love. And when you feel that, that is God. That's how he feels. That's how wonderful it is. So, man, I just stopped by to holler at you, man, um, on the drive-by edition. Drive-by! Um, God is love. And next time you feel real love, go on and embrace God. Until the next time. It's a drive-by edition. This is Bible study. I'm your host, Heavy Handed Jay. I'm out.